Hello, my name is Philip Camella, and today we're going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Collapse of Materialism, Philip Camella. Okay, so we have a very fun and interesting show today because we're going to talk to Kate Montana, who's written this great new book called The E-Word, Ego, Enlightenment, and Other Essentials, and it's just come out. It's a real cool yellow hardcover book, and she's got a uh, support here by uh, Dean Radin, which, of course, is one of my favorite authors in this area. Uh, but before we get started with Kate, let me see if I can set the table here a little bit which is that it seems like repeatedly we come back to this question of enlightenment. And to me, this has always seemed like a really a cool concept. Uh, at least since the time of Buddha, people have wondered what the term means. At its core, it seems to have something to do with detaching yourself from the material world or the desire for the material world, and finding your true essence. And this is supposed to be a good thing. Now, words framed in multiple people, in multiple ways by different people over the ages, have expressed the concept of enlightenment, have told us about these things, about detaching yourself. But what does this all mean? Having studied the concept for quite a while, I've come to the conclusion that it's one thing to hear the truth, it's one thing to hear about how one becomes enlightened, but I think the problem really is is expressing it in the way so that it resonates with people, so that people could grasp it and incorporate it into their real lives. Countless modern writers, many classified as New Age or New Thought, are saying the same things as the old teachers did, but they're expressing it in different ways ways that maybe relate more to, to what we can understand and, and incorporate into our lives. Now, Kate's new book, The E-Word, I think does this in a very entertaining, approachable way. And we're going to be getting into this, into her book and her new way of sort of expressing and positioning uh, the concepts of enlightenment in a second. Now, for those who don't know about Kate... She's got quite an interesting resume, along with being the author of several other books, including Unearthing Venus, My Search for the Woman Within. She also has had involvement with the famous indie movie, What the Bleep Do We Know, that we may get into a little bit. She's been a screen writer. She's been a journalist. She currently writes for Psychology Today and the UK publication What Doctors Don't Tell You and blogs for the Huffington Post. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. It's wonderful to be on with you, Philip. Thank you. Okay, well, let me just start with your basic question, which is you've obviously have had quite the 
tour in your career, you've done a lot of different things, been to a lot of different places, had various jobs, careers, studies. How did you wind up writing this book? Oh, gee, you get me to sum up 30 years. Okay. I was given no choice um, by what I call spirit or the the presence I am, source intelligence, uh, you could call it the God impulse, whatever. Um, Two years ago, I basically, I was taken over by the need to express what I I had learned in the course of my 20 to 30 year spiritual search um, about what I had understood finally about the ego structure, and um, and there's there's so many mis- there's so many. You know, I, I was very intrigued that you started off the introduction to the show with the whole uh, concept about what enlightenment is and detaching yourself from the real world and and all the various opinions about it and. and I, I never wanted to write about enlightenment because there's so many, you know, people talking about it, and there's so much mystery about it and confusion, and I just didn't want to add to the mix. But I was finally given no choice. <laughs> well, yeah, um, yeah I, I think that's I think that's really a good way to put it, and and I'm going to let you finish. But but what what you're talking about is something I think that really is, drives the creative process and it drives people to to act it sounds like i mean i i had the same thing about 25 years ago and it's sort of like it's something that takes you over like a poltergeist mm-hmm. um, maybe maybe that's not the right use of a poltergeist but i had to throw it in there but but the um but anyways it that's that's really interesting that it happens to uh, to a lot of people at different stages in their life okay so you you had this god impulse and that drove you to take on this topic that you felt, even though other people had approached, you wanted to give your spin to it, or you wanted to... Fundamentally, what happened was after about 22 years of spiritual searching, and I estimate about at least 20,000 hours of meditation, um, Philip, I'm kind of one of those lean-in people when I decide to, to do something, I really go for it, hammer and tongs, and um, when I hit the wall as a material girl when I was around 30, and I'd lived my life the way I was supposed to, I'd you know gotten a good education, gotten a college degree, got into a really great career in network television as an editor, and, and uh, sports editor and you know I married into my socioeconomic bracket I had a great house with a swimming pool in the suburbs and you know twin foreign cars in the garage and I'd done everything right and I was just freaking miserable and so and I think a lot of people who have turned to away from religion and the pursuit of money um, as as the root of happiness uh, in their lives, you know, I hit that wall at about age 30, and I started to pursue the only other alternative, which was, wow, if it's not outside me, then it's got to be inside me. Right. So I started the internal spiritual pursuit at around age 30, and I, I didn't do any formal training in meditation. I just figured the question was, basically who am I and I turned within and I asked myself that question rigorously Uh, I left television I ended up you know I I briefly mentioned it in the book I ended up living in a one-room cabin in the woods in the North Georgia mountains with a dog a cat and a lipizzan stallion on a hundred acre farm Um, and I just lived alone for three years and I meditated yeah wow I mean you know so I, I was rather radical about my inner pursuit 
Yeah. Well, that. So yeah. Yeah. Go, yeah ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say that I, I want to take. I want to pause here for a second because this concept of meditation is another extremely important um, concept in today's culture. Even uh, my my wife recently uh, mentioned that she wants to find a place that teaches her how to meditate as opposed mm-hmm. to exercise. You know, I mean, people, as you know, people equate yoga with stretching. Mm-hmm. And when yoga is a multifaceted concept in and of itself. But with regard to, to meditation, uh, my, my question for you is, how do you define meditation or or can you define meditation for us without using the word meditation what is meditation it's an internal probing okay it's an internal gaze yeah i I often think that people make it more complicated than needs to be that is you know philip that is one of the things that that's one of the reasons i wrote the book is after you know all the years and all the books and i i never really i only had a three teachers in my life and um mostly as i say i was totally self-taught with meditation um i've really come to understand that the, the trappings lead us away just like religion and dogma away from the core essence of hi we are all one we are all the expressions of the one we are god you know in in if i'm going to use the g word um and 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 take us away from that and get us involved in all the doing and i have to sit right and i have to hold a mudra and i have to have a mantra and i have to and it's just like oh my god um if we would just simply self-reflect and not make such a big deal out of it, and just simply look within and go, "Wow, who the heck am I?" Yeah, yeah, it's it, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that this this is a. I mean, I have in my notes here that I have three three um, words that I want to make sure that we define in, in addition to meditation, and and those words are ego, enlightenment, and and I am, because mm-hmm. I think that the I think that it's sort of. Uh, I forget who said it, whether it was Einstein or somebody else, about how life should actually be, well, science should actually be simple, simple enough that you could put the final theory on a T-shirt. That's mm-hmm. what they said. Of course, their theories now are all over the blackboards <laughs> and all over the computers, so so they have, they're far away from meeting that test. But with regard to our little sphere here, which is the enlightenment, ego, I am uh, area, um, I, I think... Defining these terms is very important. On on the meditation front, though, before we leave this, to me, and I, I've been thinking about this myself because I've had a couple of people on the show who have written really cool meditation books. I think one of them was called um, Natural Meditation. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a lot of this sort of misperception, I think you just hit it, where where you sort of have to have all the right accoutrements Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to really do it right, you got the incense and the dark lights and the pillow and the posture. But to me, um, and I'm not a, I'm 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 what I would call a failed uh, meditator. Although it seems to me that it's that space between uh, waking and sleeping. There is a point. There is a point there, to me, where you are sort of in both worlds. And, and that would be the dream state and the awake state. And it's, that is sort of where I 
I view as the meditative state. And I don't know whether that makes sense to you, but I was just wondering, since you've meditated for twenty for twenty thousand hours, that you that you probably have something to say about what that state is to you. Boy, that's interesting. You know, if, if you want to say whatever that 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 border, uh, that indefinite gray area between the awake state and the dream state, well, you're basically talking about the theta theta brainwave state or even alpha. But um, and and that can be in you know we can learn by biofeedback how to induce a theta theta more whole brain wave state. Um, so, boy. It's 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 really hard. I mean, it's it's very it's 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 indelibly clear once you have fallen into a unity consciousness state into non-duality, and I've already totally said a mistruth when I just said you fall into a unity state, because in a unified state of consciousness there is no you. There is no witness anymore. There is no sense of, oh, hi, I'm Kate Montana, and oh, wow, I just entered a unity state of consciousness. There is the state of unity of no self is no self. And so this is the crux of the whole thing about enlightenment. We have been trained and to believe that I, Kate Montana, or you, Philip, can attain enlightenment. And this was the joke that I hit the wall after 20 years of meditation, is when I finally started to fall into these unity states of of consciousness in in deep meditation. It was abundantly aware that there was no me around, and that that itself was the state of unity. Enlightenment is not me. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so, and so okay. there's no way that I can be enlightened or attain it because the very at the very act of seeking enlightenment or attaining enlightenment concretizes the I that is searching for this attainment. Okay. Therefore, absolutely drawing the curtain and the red you know slash mark across enlightenment, it ain't going to happen. It can't happen. It's two mutually exclusive territories. Okay. Self okay. and enlightenment. Okay, so let's see if we could we could uh, if I could articulate some options here because the because we have a chance here to actually understand this. So one option to what you just said would be that enlightenment is when the the meditator realizes that they are really not the ego. That they're, that that they're really that their essence that they're really the I am. E- Is that correct? That was my the question. realization that I am the I am comes after the meditator has gotten up off their cushion and gone, "Wow, I really am I am." But the moment I'm standing there with my eyes open, cooking my scrambled eggs in the morning, thinking about my meditation experience, which wasn't an experience, because to have an experience, there has to be an I present to have the experience. So you see how convoluted this immediately becomes. In that unity state, there is no self-awareness of, oh, wow, I'm in a unity state. Because the moment that self-awareness and that reflection from this personal place of oh wow i'm i'm having an enlightenment experience you're already you're already out of it 
I Does that make sense? I think so. I think so. Well, let me, you know, you probably, I, I have <laughs> written on this topic, and I have my own view of um, of Enlightenment and Buddha, and um, it's close to what, it, it's close to years, it's very close, but let me just articulate it so we could just talk about whether, whether we differ on this, because I think there's a little difference in what we do here, in that I'm jumping ahead, but... Let's assume that there is this I am. It's a unified consciousness, and the, at the core of being is is one entity, and we could call it whatever mm-hmm. we want. And that, of course, I think is the perennial philosophy. That's the core of spirituality, and and, and we could move into quantum physics and get into all that. But the point is, mm-hmm. okay, so let's okay, so there's one entity. Okay, so there is this enlightenment, and we could use that word, or I, I don't know what, if it makes that big of a difference what word you use, but but you realize oh, uh, I am really part of the whole and I'm not separate from the whole. Okay, so then, so there's that, but see, I think that separation is is a intended and necessary part of the evolution of consciousness. Uh, I think that because, I think the one separated into the many in order to experience life. Now, so that's, that's absolutely that's sort of, and I'm not the first one to ever say that, but I think that that we we to me, and I and I saw that you have a degree in, I, think, I guess it's humanistic psychology. So mm-hmm. you probably have have read a lot about psychology, but I think that the issue is balance. It's under it's balance. We, we we tend to go one direction or the other. I mean, and let me give you an example. The folks, there is this tape that the teaching company has on uh, world religions, and there's a section on Buddha. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes when I'm I'm watching, I'm exercising, whatever, I'm watching this, and and so these these real serious, I guess, uh, yoga masters or. Buddha followers or whatever, you know, they sit down in the state of passivity with their bowls, their begging bowls in India, and they just sit there mm-hmm. as if they are just experiencing the oneness and they don't really care about living. See, to me, I think that's the balance is too far out there. I think that that's not good. So, why don't you comment upon what I just said there and See if we can get this going because this, I think, is related to a lot of your book, the way you talk about the separation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, balance is critical. For almost two decades, I sought the denial of the physical world because I was trained to believe that heaven, spirituality, God, unity consciousness, whatever, enlightenment, was better than the human experience. And therefore, because I was basically pretty, you know, fraught and miserable as a human being, I sought the liberation that I thought that enlightenment offered, okay? So, I sought an out. And... So, and, 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 it's, and it's, a, it's a two-edged sword, Philip, because enlightenment really is ultimate liberation. But, here's the, here's the other side of the sword. There's no you left to enjoy the liberation. Yeah, good point. But, so, so, it's... it's and and I and I bounced back and forth for seven years between the non-dual state and the and me, Kate Montana, walking, talking, chewing gum, and you know, definitely separate and, and believing I'm an individual. And I 
it, it just I, I I cannot tell you how perplexing and distraught I was for almost a decade trying to reconcile non-dual existence with ex- with multiplicity. Yeah. And it's irreconcilable. It is totally you cannot understand enlightenment from the from the you know the human place that's one thing. The two states of consciousness are absolutely do not overlap so there is never going to be you're either not you're either enlightened and then I've already spoke wrong because you are not enlightened. There is no you, which is the state of enlightenment. Or, you know, you're stuck in humanity. My big breakthrough on this book and why I'm so incredibly excited about this is because I know a lot of other spiritual seekers have been hung on this fence of, oh my God, well, I'm supposed to deny myself and this world sucks and I want to, you know, I want to get to this place of bliss and happiness. And the cruel joke, if I ever get there and actually do fall into non-dual reality um, enlightenment, is I'm no longer there to enjoy it. So, basically, enlightenment is death by enlightenment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Truly, you know, and I joke about it in the book. I go, you know, if people, if we replaced the word enlightenment with indebtedment, would people really want it? Well, no. But what so excited me was in the midst of wrestling with this, oh my God, how do I reconcile the unreconcilable? I stumbled back into my roots of psychology and I remembered Abraham Maslow and his whole conversation about transpersonal awareness. And I was like, oh, holy moly, there is a transitional place where we can move into a state of awareness that is inclusive rather than the limited, narrow, exclusive point of view of I am, you know, a human being with boundaries of flesh and borders and, you know, you're over there and I'm over here in this whole separation concept. There, That's one state of mind. Then we can move into, we can train ourselves actually to become more inclusive and to begin to view life as part as us as part of life we can take the quantum view we can actually train our brains to perceive the space in between me and you and acknowledge the quantum connection and that we really are all one there is this amazing place called transpersonal awareness where we can fully be ourselves radically comfortable skins boundaryless interconnected creative fully functional in this world and it's the most ecstatic liberated wow you're still around but you're hooked up you finally see through the veil of illusion that you're separate and once the veil of separation falls all the fear and the vulnerability falls away. I mean, on the political stage right now, we've got the quintessential example of a heavily boundaried, barricaded, isolated human being ego called Donald Trump, who therefore, because he is isolated in his own sense of self, has no sense of connection with the rest of the world and other people. His boundaries and barriers, that's why he talks walls and war and weapons. That's his la- that's the language of the isolated ego. Bernie Sanders is the flip side of the coin. He's so connected with others in the world. He's so about the world and others as self. And so he is uh, Bernie is a brilliant example of a, a a being that has learned about his essential connection with life. 
Okay. And so he comes from that transpersonal s- state. It's really magnificent to have this on the global stage like this as an example. Yeah, okay, so there's a lot there. And yes, knew, there I, is. I knew it was going to be difficult to do this interview without mentioning Donald Trump and mm-hmm. I, and uh, because of the ego part of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, but um, first of all, this is Philip Camello. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Kate Montana, the author of this brand new book called The E-Word. Ego Enlightenment and Other Essentials. And lo and behold, we're talking about ego, Donald Sanders, and we're mixing them all together in a in a in a show about enlightenment. So we're so this is a original um, look at, at these concepts, but I but we're actually doing something that is important, very important, and something that as I as I said in the beginning of the show, to me the challenge is articulating this topic in a way that it resonates with people. And, yep. we're, and we're getting closer to that. And this, this is why books like yours, I think, are, are really helpful. Because, because to me, Kate, you really tried to bring this down to earth. You really, yes. tried, you really tried to say, okay, reread this past chapter, sit down, think about it. And that's exactly, I think, what we need to do. Uh, the just in sort of um, a couple of things from my own life. I mean, one of the things that res- that really resonated with me, or that had a big effect on my life, is that when I was fourteen, fifteen, or whatever, and I was sitting in on a card game with my mother and her friends. Um, one of her friends said she was criticizing these scientists um, by speaking a language that nobody understood, and that really hit me hard. Because I'm thinking, you know, the point is, is not to be in some ivory tower with the truth, whether it's mm-hmm. a scientific truth or a spiritual truth or some other truth. It's, it's unless you bring that message down to earth, it really, it's sort of, it's sort of like the world's greatest book that nobody reads. Um, <laughs> yes. And, and so, so this is, so let's, let's get into this a, a little bit because uh, it's wrapped into this concept of ego. And so let's let's uh, talk about what how you define the ego, and, and why and why we we sometimes let the ego sort of control um, who we are. Okay, the ego is our sense of self. It's our personal story. It's every thought, every experience, um, every hope, dream, fear. It's all of our thoughts about who we are and where we're going. And it's really fascinating. You, you said it right then how, you know, he, you mentioned, and wow, why do we so often let the ego, you know, out of control and run the show? Right there by your languaging, you know, how many times has anybody said, oh my God, my ego is out of control or her ego is out of control? Which begs the question, who is the I that has an ego? Right. Right. So if the ego is just basically our idea about ourself, where does that idea come from? And who is the man or woman behind the curtain? What is that awareness, that presence that has an ego? Those are the questions we need to ask ourselves. And 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 right, let, let, can I do a little exercise with you right sure, now? Sure. 
Sure. So, okay, if I say, just follow along with me. Everything is a story. If all right, let's say all is one. Okay, let's take this as your original premise. We'll assume that everything is one thing, and it's the quantum sea, it's source intelligence, it's God, whatever you want to call it. Okay, right. I'm going to call it I am. Okay. Right. So if I say I am, it's just everything. Right. The moment I say I am human. I have boundaried, I have drawn a, a form, I've created a form right there out of the formless. I am human. And then I'll say, I am a woman. Well, so I've further refined and defined form as, oh, now it's a gender. Okay. I am Kate Montana. Wow. A woman, a human being. Now I've got a story within a story within a story. So if I say so there's a big difference if I say hi I am feel how spacious that is but if I walk up to you and say hi Philip I am Kate Montana all I've done is walk up and shake your hand and present you a story that is my story that comes with all the baggage and the and the and the psychology degree and all of that. But if I just literally walked up to you and went, I am what are you gonna do with that? Right, right. Okay, so this is where this see you you're I don't know whether um okay. So this is where I come down on this because uh we're I said a couple minutes ago that we're close to um perceiving this in the same way but i don't think it's it's that complicated and i see that you you cite ken ken wilbur he's got um a, you know unfortunately it's good news bad news the guy is extremely smart one oh of, yeah one of the thought leaders in the world yep it's written some of the most brilliant books ever but sometimes he writes in a way that's hard to understand but okay so but he's got this principle that Either I think he invented, um, which is which is like big mind, small mind, mm-hmm. uh, and the the principle there is you understand as your moral, spiritual, intellectual anchor that we are that I am that we mm-hmm. are part of the whole. With mm-hmm. that understanding and with that bedrock principle and then you go out in the world and you live as yourself mm-hmm. that that is to me the simplest way I could put it and so so the reason to meditate or the reason to go out in the nature the exercise and to do whatever people do to bring themselves back is to bring yourself back and not get fooled into thinking that all you are is ego exactly so that's sort of and so, if we want to use Donald Trump, and let's just let's just say because this is not a political show, even though it doesn't matter whether it is or is not, that I would just use this as a, <laughs> as a hypothesis that he that he is lost. He's an example of being lost in the ego. He's an Absolutely, exa- he's an example of of thinking that um, he is separate, and not only separate but above it all. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and there's many many people like that. Uh, one of the things that uh, was incur- well among the things that were encouraging when I read your book was that you know I go back and forth in thinking do we change the world from the grassroots or from the top down top down being changing the theories grassroots being 
uh, education, enlightenment, this kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, and I I was thinking, well, if if people individually are quote unquote enlightened, then that's really the, probably the way it's going to happen. But and so it gave me more. It it sort of made me think. Well, maybe the grassroots is gaining some traction here. So I address this this big mind, small mind thing because uh, I don't. I think it's important. I think personality is important. Mm-hmm. I think being different, having your own story. It's when mm-hmm. folks. It's it's when folks think that that's that that's all it is, or they or mm-hmm. or the way I would put it, they pour the god ego into their ego. Um, which is, I think, what Donald Trump does. Um, that's a problem because oh, the yeah, god, absolutely. The god ego is a god of quote unquote love, spirit, togetherness, this, this kind of thing. So you know, and that's complicating it. Um, just I am it has nothing to it. It's not I am love. Okay. It's not I am consciousness. It's not I am thought. It's just presence. It doesn't get I more see. simple than that, I Philip. I am, I and 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 we can actually literally practice that. I can. There's an exercise I do in the book. You know, I step people through. Okay, say, I am human. I am a woman. I am a Democrat. I am a Republican. Whatever. And after you've said all these, I am this. I am that. I am the other thing. And then you just say, I am. Yeah. And in that brief moment, there is a spaciousness. An emptiness that is filled with awareness and yet is empty. That's that's the God present. I, I see. So you're saying that so that's simple. sort of a therapeutic move. Absolutely. Okay. It's it, well. It's it's a it's a reintroduction as to what and who we really are underneath the story of the self. The ego is a wonderful thing. It's a tool. What we've, you know, there. I, I do not bash the ego. The ego is an inevitable construct. It, when I am, which is limitless consciousness, is enlivening and penetrating a physical body. When we are born, in other words, and we are animated beings, the we're immediately hit with this tidal wave of sensory data. So unconsciously, the very, very first message, this is how the ego is created. The very, very first message we get as unconsciously as baby is, I am physical. We have 11 million bits of sensory data barraging the brain every single second, giving us the data, I am physical. It's unconscious. The second message we get, also unconscious, is I am separate. My skin boundary, I can tell where my my blankie ends and my skin begins. Mommy is outside of me. The breast and the bottle are outside of me. It is this unconscious program that this is the foundation of the ego structure. I am physical. I am separate. Everything springs from that unconscious programming that we take on the minute we get spit out onto planet Earth. There's nothing wrong with this. If I was, if I had no ego structure, Philip, I wouldn't, you know, if I'm just one I am in the quantum sea of undifferentiated isness, I'm not going to notice the bus barreling down the road at me at 45 miles an hour and I'm going to get smacked right out of my body. Well, this you know? is, yeah, this this is where uh, I mentioned earlier about the grassroots or the top down. This is where the top down um, becomes important, I think. And and by that I mean, not only are we conditioned to be um, separate or to, or to view ourselves as separate material mm-hmm. things, but that's the story from from modern science. 
the, absolutely despite despite the quantum physics and that's a that's a great topic and we'll probably have time to touch on that a little bit but but that that's sort of and I always say well suppose and I've, I've written on this um, you know suppose the the leading mantra of science wasn't that that the world's a machine and we're separate uh, pieces of the machine. Suppose the mantra was we are we are all flowing from the same source, like a, mm-hmm. like a, like a like a like branches on a tree. Uh, mm-hmm. It would be a little different. Now, it's going to take a while, I think, to articulate that, and we'll probably have to go through at least another generation of scientists, according to my calculations. Uh, of course, I have, I've calculated this, so it still occurs within my lifetime. By the way, so I don't I'm not pursuing I'm not pushing this off too far. Um, because I'd like to be around for this, but in any event, this this is um, a really really cool. I, I want to do a little transition here that is related. That is a I think you you have a very interesting spin in your book, um, which is spiritual materialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that sort of related to the law of attraction because uh, you know you mention in your book that the law of attraction is like the number one new age. Um, you know, belief system. Even, mm-hmm. even I've read The Secret, and uh, <laughs> and I have read a number of things. And you know, it's really it's really pretty. Um, it is pretty humorous, but um, it's a it's a nice little book, by the way. It's really nicely packaged. But but what is spiritual materialism, and what is wrong with it? Spiritual materialism. Well, you know, is grounded in this inescapable sense that I am physical and I am separate yeah. and therefore we 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 make material therefore the material world everything is everything is shunted through the filter of I am material and I am separate yeah. even spirituality um, you know, I'm going to have to go back to quantum physics for a second the language that we use as human beings with this unconscious absolute certainty that we are physical and separate beings okay which in one level we are dictates our languaging if I'm going to talk about a particle like a like a quark or a muon or a tauon the very word particle brings to mind a little grain of sand the teeny tiniest little particle that is the foundation of physical matter but there is no physical particle whatsoever we're reduced to a language that is very physical because we believe we're physical it's the only language we have quantum physics has been around for almost a well for a hundred years now the language and the understanding that wow we really do live in a quantum sea of undifferented undifferentiated information energy hasn't filtered into our lives at all it's beginning to through the the spiritual community because quantum physics and the study and and like movies like what the bleep are, are are part and parcel of the language of the new thought new age community and yet we're still stuck in the unconscious belief that we are physical beings Therefore, we physicalize everything, even spirit. Hence, the law of attraction, which we are left with. Well, I, for example, I want, uh, I want a Tesla. I want the Tesla sedan. I want it in in red. And so, the way that we think, I believe, because this is the only I that I know. I, Kate Montana, have to manifest that physical car over there. 
this you know and so and my thoughts this is the whole secret you know what the bleep thing my thoughts actually impact the quantum field and i end up magnetizing that car to me well yes and no what makes the law of attraction is so difficult for people and why manifestation usually doesn't work is because we're left with this sense of personal self. It's even called personal manifestation. I, Kate Montana, am going to manifest that Tesla. I've set up myself to fail because my root core thinking as a human being, thinking I'm physical and separate, dictates that I think the person who's going to do the manifesting is me, Kate Montana. It's the only I that I know. And that car is over there. It's around the block. It's down at the at the car dealership. It's way separate from me. And somehow I, Kate Montana, have to manipulate the quantum field to draw that separate car to me. When the truth, the real underlying unpinning truth is the car and I are already one. And so the trick in, in manifesting is to be able to move out of the ego structure and lean back into the quantum sea of I am, for lack of a better word, and realize and sense that connection and depend on the larger force of life itself that I am to draw that car what it that it's already connected to me and to draw it to me I'm handing the baton to a larger life force that I am rather than Kate Montana, a little human being, has to draw a picture of a Tesla and put it on her bathroom mirror and, you know, focus on it and do a mantra while I'm driving. I'm ro- I driving a Tesla. I'm driving a Tesla. You see what I'm saying? Well, I, I think there there's a lot there again, and I, I come at it similar, in a, in a similar way. The I, I view the spiritual materialism which is a nice way to put it, which, or put mm-hmm. differently, that one could wish themselves the winning lottery ticket, uh, mm-hmm. is to be sort of a um, confused mixture of, of uh, spiritualism and materialism. It's sort of, if you, mm-hmm. think, if you think about um, you know, evolution of consciousness or, or maturation of the human being, it's another way to put it, that we're sort of we're, we're we're gradually getting ourselves out of the machine materialistic world, but we're sort of in this transition mode here, where where people apl- apply these 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 spiritual uh, principles such as meditation, will, desire, uh, um, prayer, but they're but they're not but they're praying for material things. So, mm-hmm. so it's sort of, it's sort of a funny, it's sort of a it's sort of humorous, um, and I frankly don't blame a lot of the scientists for for violently disparaging the whole secret law of attraction principle because it really, mm-hmm. it really doesn't. It's sort of like it doesn't make any sense from one level um, mm-hmm. when you think about how how somebody can make this leap. From from um, consciousness having an impact upon reality, or put or the Heisenberg uncertainty principle and the Copenhagen interpretation and the choice and all that, to thinking that you could actually um, will a material thing into your into existence. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big leap in my book, but there is truth there. There is truth there, and I followed what you were saying in your book. There is. 
there is a connection. It's but, mm-hmm. but the way we but but to me, it's like this no pain no gain thing. <laughs> you can't just and it's you can't just sit there and meditate and, and wish for the winning lottery ticket or the Tesla. It, no, it, you could do it, but it ain't gonna happen. You, you know the in in the Eastern um, philosophy, seeking personal power um, over life forces is called developing cities. S i d d h a h a s city i s sorry cities, and um, and. You know, there have been uh, examples, and I can't remember the name of the the guru who, you know, he he, um, manifests ash that just pours from his hands Um, in India. You know, there there are examples of having an individual having a certain level of control over the life forces. Um, And kind of like what a waste of time yeah, yeah. Um, but you know I, I really wanted to get back to I, I truly think that you know praying for focusing on desiring material things is great we live in a material world apparently I mean that's the way this is set up and and what I love about about this middle ground that I've that I've kind of rediscovered of transpersonal consciousness is that we can enjoy being in this world, being ourselves, and feel connected at the same time to the greater world. We can have the material things that we desire, that we naturally desire. There's nothing wrong with desiring material things or wanting to manifest a Tesla in, into your garage. There's nothing wrong with that. What what I'm I really try to point out in the book where there's a glitch in the system here is that we are still trying to manifest and have these things and create the life we want from a very limited ego personality perspective. Whereas if we could get more in touch with the underpinning reality, you know, if you can call it the greater mind, the higher self, whatever whatever you want to call it, this I am presence, if we can tap into that, and lean on that, then we have more connection and more power and more grace and more flow in our lives naturally. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, let me – let me. I was going to ask you about this principle of manifesting from the I am, mm-hmm. which is, which is uh, related to this. And the way, the way I look at this is that when you do manifest – from the I am, and I like to think of a better way to put that. Uh, you could I am too. <laughs> manifest. Let me put it this way: when 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 you when you manifest from from the tr- from from your true being, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to from your ego. That's mm-hmm. one way to put it. Then I think what what happens is that you can achieve those goals, except it's going to take a while. <laughs> Because because life itself is a spiritual journey. This is the big this is the big error. Life itself is a spiritual journey. So you're mm-hmm. still manifesting that Tesla, except it's gonna it might take you ten years because mm-hmm. you're gonna have to get a halfway decent job. You're gonna mm-hmm. have to put away the money. You're gonna have to pay some other bills, and you're gonna and and you're gonna be on this path that eventually that happens. And mm-hmm. you know there was there was somebody, you know, in doing this show and in my personal life, I've read a whole lot of books on this on this topic. It doesn't 
it doesn't make me more knowledgeable. It just makes me more exposed. <laughs> by the way, but but one but a couple but I've learned so much. But one of them, you know, on exactly this topic, he said something like, "When when you when you um, wish for pray for a big goal, like publishing a book, mm-hmm. then." It, it takes a while for the universe to work its way to give you the answer. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't just like, uh, you know, certain things by their nature have more have more power and more enrichment because they take longer to 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 get. And, and you know, I would say that it is it doesn't because it takes a long time doesn't inherently give something more weight or power or importance. Yeah. That is a that is a a meaning that as a human being we have decided to imbue the situation with, yeah. which is really it's everything is equal. Everything is a rock. You know, on the on the beach is the equivalent of a same weight of gold in your hand. It's the same stuff. What we we attribute meaning to everything as meaning making creatures. So that that would be the only well, little well, quibble I would have well, with what you just said. But you know, because we, we and I and I say it in the book. One of the reasons that manifesting takes so bloody long is that you know the amount of concentrated prayer, focus, meditation, whatever I give to that wanting to create a book or you know be driving a tesla is minimal you know maybe i have maybe two minutes a day max of really fiercely focused concentrated energy going towards that tesla and then and that's got to compete with everything else oh my desire to go to the grocery store and and get the dog food and get some cinnamon rolls and you know that i wish i had a better hair day and that i really like that dress in the window as i'm driving work and all these billions of other thoughts and considerations and things we focus on that tesla has got to inter- weave its way through a million yeah. other desires, thoughts, and impulses we've put out into the quantum sea. And it's got to weave its way through and dodge traffic, so to speak, yeah. to get to us through all of that other stuff. No, that, I, think that's, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, the example I, I would give here is playing a piano. Okay, so suppose you sit there and, you're going, and, you, and you want to play the piano, okay, and... Now that's something that's going to take a while, but if you pin that to your consciousness, if you if you set it as a goal, and this this is to me completely analogous to goal setting. There's mm-hmm. no difference here. That you write it down. I want to play the piano, and <coughs> and so there. That's your goal. Well, you've got to do certain things to get there. You can't just like miraculous unless you are one heck of a child prodigy. Or, mm-hmm. or unless there is magic, you, you take you you have to go through the steps to learn how to play the piano, and and that's the mm-hmm. way I I view it, where it's you 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 have to set those goals within your deepest consciousness, and then do things to achieve the goal. But once you if you set those goals in a in a in a meditative or a deep setting, to me they stick with you, and, mm-hmm. and that that's sort of that's sort of what I what I get what I think is real about this stuff. I mean, it, mm-hmm. when you anchor that deep as as part of your being, it now now you're set your your life story is sort of set in that direction. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make it happen. Yeah. That's that's what we do here on this apparently physical plane is that things are it's a mask to mask expression. Absolutely. Yeah, I truly believe Philip that if we manage to and if this is even important, if we do manage to unhook from the limitations of the sense of self that is physical and separate, and we do, I mean, you know, if you've ever read like Michael Talbot's The uh, the Holographic Universe, information uh, on all of creation is embedded in my, you know, uh, the one cell of my little right-hand fingernail. All information is the whole theory of the Akashic Records. If everything is one thing, then everything is non-local. And everything, every thought, every creation is accessible right now, if I have the consciousness to do it. And right there, I can guarantee you, when I talk about I, Kate Montana, have the consciousness to do it, it ain't going to happen, because I, Kate Montana, is highly localized (laughs) in this physical body and, and a very discrete, separate entity. Now, if I, Kate Montana, manage to lose myself, and... And I think it's truly possible to access vast stores of information, and including, you know, be an instant pianist. I think it's possible. Hmm. It, is it likely? No. Is it practical? Hell no. <laughs> yeah. Do I want to live my life pursuing that? Well, you know, that that's a trap in and of itself that the Eastern um, gurus warn against, against that, that, uh, that whole pursuit of personal power of cities of that ability so you know whatever floats your boat i guess is the final is the final word on that i think that you know we're we're coming to the end here and i want to try to summarize from your perspective sort of like sort of like you do in the book sort of the steps that a listener could and can take to 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 gain from this exercise, so from from a so let, let let's try to summarize um, what what is important here. So so why don't you try to put in your own words on you know if you if you want to leave the listener with a takeaway um, on how to benefit from from all the work that you put into this book, what would you say? Well, number one, I'd say read the book because it's going to be a lot more detailed than this conversation, of course. Um, It's that we are more than we know. And it's possible to access that moreness. It's totally possible to feel hooked up, enlivened, part of life, congruent, fulfilled, as long as we start learning about what self is. You said earlier, Donald Trump is lost. We're all lost because the majority of us do not know who we really are because we haven't asked the fundamental question, who am I? And who is the I that has the ego? Okay. When we start investigating, we have to sit down and ask ourselves sincerely these questions. Very simple. Who am I? Who is the I that has the ego? And we start plumbing and and incorporating this beautiful largesse that we really are and we feel more connected with life and other people our life becomes more radiant we become happier and it's like wow but we have to ask these very simple questions directly sincerely and passionately and engage our own being 
That's the only way we're ever going to become splendid, happy human beings, is to find out what that really means. Yeah, and I, I think that that is um, very, well, very well said. And I want to emphasize something here that, to me, is an ailment of our society. And again, Mr. Trump is an example of this. And, and, and many others, but not only do we alienate ourselves from the the material world, in other words, we think we're separate, but we also think we're separate from God. A, a lot of a lot of these um, folks who are uh, you know devout believers, uh, born again. I mean, I, I I'm trying to be objective here. But at the same time that they have this very, I would call it, um, self-centered uh, approach to life, this this overly egotistical standpoint, they also consider themselves to be devout believers. Well, but they're devout mm-hmm. believers in a in a God, a a, a, a uh, hypothetical God, I might add, separate from themselves. So they got two. So so there's two two problems going on at the same time <laughs> you know mm-hmm. if and and this is something that i don't think we should lose sight of that that religion is also a problem it, to the extent it externalizes the the very uh concepts that we're talking about here mm-hmm. you know and so and i i don't know if you want to say a couple of things about that but i but there's a Abs- problem absolutely yeah, absolutely it does. And and I will go so far as to say that religion is like, you know, separation 101 and spiritual new age spirituality is separation 201. We still even spirituality, the new age thought movement is amazing because it's beginning to address this transpersonal state of we are all one. You know, which shamans have known for thousands of years. Jesus talked about it when he said my father and I are one. This is not a new concept and hooray for humanity for stepping into this stream you know of of knowledge that wow we can really awaken to something greater that we really are at the same time we have a tendency to go well you know god is higher than me and and we we're still playing the duality dance with that a little bit so i i really want to stress that it's so it's so freaking simple yeah we really we we so throw systems out the window if i had to advise anybody to do anything throw yeah except for my book of course don't throw that out the window because it's telling you to throw everything else out the window but i'm, I'm joking but it is it's so simple you're if we can just access for a second that non-storied place I am and just let that little crack in about that and feel that spaciousness for a couple of seconds a day, that's what the whole life, that's what everything spins on. That That's the foundation of your life and every other life. Yeah, and I, I want to, again, well, I, in conclusion here, I, I want to add that – to me, and this is me. This is me talking. Of course, uh, I think we're we're pretty well aligned, but but we have different egos, and so we are taking a little different approaches. But but uh, exactly, very very similar. But to me, I, I was at a little book signing once, and I was sitting at the table, and somebody asked me, "Well, this whole thing about being one. I mean, it doesn't feel like we're one. How do you? Mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't understand it. It was a. It was an older woman, and and mm-hmm. I really, I really thought she was speaking for ninety eight percent of the public, mm-hmm. because a lot of times, 
we we talk about this oneness, but you know you know you look out. Okay, there's one sky. There seems to be one Earth, one universe. I think. Uh, but what does it really mean? And and to me, ultimately, it comes. It's a question of morality. And this is this is what we we completely have forgotten about. Because if we do arise from the same source, that means that we need to be kinder to each other. And that to, is the to me is the biggest problem of this yeah. this thing. Uh, you know that's very interesting, and, and this is a great place to end. Morality in in is is about law. Okay, morality is necessary when we do not have the perception that gives us our knowing that we are one, and that's why I right. have throughout the book. Um, exercises that expand people's, open up people's perceptual ability to begin to begin to train the brain to see the interconnection. Because until we do that, we still believe the lie that we're isolated, standalone units, and therefore vulnerable. And therefore, we depend on the, the rule of morality and law. Once we expand our minds and our ability to perceive our basic interconnection and the truth of our oneness we no lo- we, we no longer need to be ruled by law because we're ruled by the truth of who we are and the love that that is part of all of us right and that to me is where things have to head i mean i just finished an article um about the 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 fact that we need that once we understand that morality is is a governing law it's such like just like gravity then things will change but mm-hmm. you, know, you know we have a ways to go okay so we yeah. reached the end and we started off at attacking this concept of enlightenment and this this lovely um, phrase I am and I hope that the listener has gotten something out of this um, what I would call invigorating discussion, and uh, pick up uh, Kate's book. You might want to remember that I also have a book called The Collapse of Materialism, which is a nice counterpart to this uh, because it, it gets into some of the same concepts. But the E word uh, is a very readable, approachable book, and I have to say it's probably one of the best, if not the best, book on this topic, which is which is enlightenment and understanding your true essence. Kate, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, It's been a lot of fun, and we will see you all next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Meriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com. 